Everybody happy? Okay, let's play that video. Just wanted to show you something. The noted French naturalist Jean-Henri Fabre studied processionary caterpillars in great detail. What makes this caterpillar special is its instinct to follow in lockstep the caterpillar in front of it. This behavior not only gives the caterpillar its name, but a deadly characteristic as well. Fabre demonstrated this unusual behavior with a simple experiment. He took a flower pot and placed a number of caterpillars in single file around the circumference of the pot's rim. Each caterpillar's head touched the caterpillar in front of it. Fabre then placed the caterpillar's favorite food in the middle of the flower pot. Each caterpillar followed the one ahead, thinking it was heading for the food. After a week of this mindless activity, the caterpillars started to drop dead because of exhaustion and starvation. All they had to do to avoid death was to stop the senseless circling of the flower pot and head directly toward the food, less than six inches away. However, the processionary caterpillars couldn't extricate themselves from their mindless behavior. Okay, interesting. Any guys have ever seen that video, or do you know about this phenomenon? Nobody. Jacob. <laughs> Can you turn on the lights. So everybody turn to Luke 19. Now, I preached on this passage before, but I have a little different angle. I just felt like the Lord gave me uh, some new revelations. How many of you guys know that the Bible is not something that you master? The Bible masters you. Amen? Amen? So that means you can read the same passage again and again, and then a new revelation can happen because situations change, and the revelation in the Word is not extricated until you go through that situation. I thought that was good, what I just said. It gives you a hunger to read the Word over and over again because there's things that you couldn't see before because you weren't in that situation and you weren't ready for that revelation. But when you go through certain things and then you're ready, the Lord reveals that revelation hidden in the Word. That's why you never master a book. You don't read this book and I've done it. You read it continuously because it's living and active. Luke 19, he enters Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he himself was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that day. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry. In the Greek, actually, it means immediately come down. For today I must stay at your house. And he hurried, came down, and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble and saying, He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. Some passages say he who was lost, because they assume that Greek is actually who? That Greek 
preposition could mean a person, but it can also mean that, a thing. But the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. How many of you guys know when Zacchaeus got saved, the whole system of financial governance in that region got saved? Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which means that he had franchised his tax collecting business, which he, he was working for the Romans, and he had a tax collecting business. He collected taxes, and he charged more than they should so that he can get rich. And he was so successful that he franchised this system out to other regions. That's why he was a chief. And so when he got saved and he turned around, that means that every single franchise got saved. Not only that village or the people around them, the whole system got changed. And I think that's why the Greek says that. He came to save that which was lost. I want to talk about breaking out of systems. You guys okay? Just feel like I was watching the caterpillar. It's so sad. They just keep going around in circles and they just die. And I was looking at that and I just thought, this is the system that the world has placed upon us as people. You just go through all the things that you go through in life. In your 20s, you're trying to discover something. You're going to want to get a job. How many guys want a job? How many guys have a job? How many guys want a better job? Oh, you're happy with your... People are like, I'm happy with my job. How many guys want a better job? Get promotions. Different job. You get older, you're realizing maybe money is not it. I got to do something that's purposeful. Like I want to get... Especially for your generation, the turnover rate for your generation is extremely high. Some of you guys are ghosting your employers, just not showing up. Just texting your employer, I quit. Because you want something more. You feel like the world is going through the crapper and you're just like, maybe life, world is going to end, global warming, wars, and so I just, COVID, maybe the next pandemic, and I just want to do something meaningful with my short 10 years of life. I've heard, I've talked to a lot of young people, and they're, a lot of them are like, man, the world could end in 10 years. I just want to get mine. Just going through a system. It takes somebody to break out. It just, took, it just takes one caterpillar to go outside that circle. It just takes, for systems to change, it takes somebody to see something else. It takes somebody to say, I think there's food over there. It, somebody has to say, hey, I think we're just going around in circles. We're just going around this system that somebody made for us and I'm just going through this rat race. In my 20s, I got a job. In my 30s, I'm hustling. I'm just working, 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 and neglecting my family. I'm trying to balance my life. And, my, and then I make it. I make it. I'm in my 40s. And I'm, trying to get, I'm getting more successful in my 50s. Oh, I got stuff. But is this what I'm supposed to do? This is how I'm designed. And then 60s, you're starting to contemplate, is it too late to start changing things, but I'm close to retirement, and then 70s, you retire, and then 80s, you get sick, and then you die. This is the system 
that the world has created. Surely God has a better system. Can I hear an amen? Amen. How do you break out of this system? How do you break out of this? Some people call it like the Babylonian system, the Western mindset, capitalist system. How do you break out of it? I just want to go back to the passage. Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. So a lot of people think that Luke actually made up this word, sycamore tree. Because it's a combination of words. Sycamore, which actually means the fig tree, or the mulberry tree. And moriah, which actually means, the etymology of that is moron, foolish. So moronic or foolish. So Zacchaeus, Luke is saying Zacchaeus climbed this foolish tree and became a fool. He climbed this tree of foolishness. To break out, there's something that you've got to do that seems foolish to every single other person around you. Even though what everyone is doing seems foolish, you've got to break out. Even if you're the only one standing out, even if you're the one and nobody follows you, there's something that you need to do to break out. Zacchaeus broke out. He ran ahead and he saw something outside the system. You can't get out of the system unless you see something and entices you. You can't get out of a system that you're just seeing the butt of the caterpillar in front of you. Just doing the same thing, the same routines every single day. Coming home, let's have dinner, let's do some Netflix, go to sleep, doing the same thing over there. I understand routines and rituals. we got to do those. I'm not saying that your life is going to be exciting every single day. But there's, a, there's moments where you have to break out. There's moments where you see something that's greater than what you're seeing now. And the fear of humanity or fear of man or fear of looking stupid, you can't get rid of that. It has to be replaced by something else, a greater fear. A reverence for God who has designed you for a greater purpose. And when you understand that you have been designed, intricately made, for a purpose. There's a design and a destiny for your life. And when God entices you with that, and that's what Zacchaeus did. He, he lived his whole life to build the system. He didn't care about anybody else. He just made money. He was corrupted. He was a corrupted leader in the village, and people didn't like him. And he didn't care. He didn't give a hoot. But when he saw Jesus and he heard something about Jesus, something, he's doing healings. He's the Messiah. Somebody, somebody said, there's Jesus passing by. And he couldn't see because he was short of stature. He climbed up a tree, a dignified man. He became undignified to see something that's greater. How many guys want to see something greater? There has to be some undignified action in your life to break out, to do something crazy, to do something that everybody thinks you're foolish. Hey, get back in the circle. You're going to quit your job and do something? You're going to open up something? You have a dream? You have a dream? How foolish are you? You want, to, 
You want to go back to school and do something else that you love because you, you just, you know what? I decided I don't want to listen to my parents anymore and become a doctor. Amen? I never listened to my parents. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer, and I said, no, dad. He, actually, he wanted me to be a computer scientist just like him. I said, dad, I don't like computers. And then I got a C in Pascal computers in grade 10, and he got so mad at me. Dad, I told you, I don't like computers. I don't understand what Pascal has to do with anything. <laughs> Look at that, I'm getting A, like a good Asian kid. I'm getting A's and everything else. Just let me get a C. It's only grade 10. In Ontario, OACs, like the final year, grade 13, that's the only thing that counts, Dad. And I'm not going to take computers. That's what counts for university. I got it. Don't relax. He locked me in the room. Let me guys know he didn't imprison me, but I couldn't get out. <laughs> I wasn't in prison, but he had, he had mentally locked my mind. I don't know what, I don't know. I couldn't, I just couldn't leave. Well, he was paying for everything, so. He said, you're staying here, and I'm going to teach you Pascal. I said, what do you mean, in one day? He said, I'm going to teach you all of Pascal in one day. I was there for five hours. He gave me tests. <laughs> he, I, had to memor I had to understand it. I couldn't fool him into pretending I understood it. I had to understand it. And I just sucked it up because I knew if I didn't understand it, it would be 10 days. I could be there for 10 days, imprisoned in this little office. Five hours, I got it. He memorized. I understood Pascal better than the teacher. They actually thought I was cheating. My midterm, every test I got after that, I got 100 because he was like basic, so basic compared to what my dad taught me. My teacher actually thought I was cheating. How are you doing this? You were getting C's and now you're getting 100. And I had to tell him, my dad is a computer programmer. He taught me Pascal in one day. He's like, whoa! <laughs> For the rest of the semester, I slept. <laughs> Every client had basketball practice, I was asleep. Test, 100. That's my father. He wanted me to be a computer scientist. When he, I couldn't do that, he wanted me to be a lawyer. I just refused. I just stubborn. My, even my in-laws wanted me, me, wanted me to do something. I said, no, I just, there's a stubbornness. Zacchaeus may be short in stature, but there's a stubborn belief. That's called Faith. How many of you guys have some stubborn belief? Even if the whole world doesn't believe in you, you believe in the Lord God who has placed something in your heart. Amen? Amen. Moriah could also mean moronic, or also in the Greek, in the second, it could also mean dim, not clear. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see a greater vision of something beyond what he was going through even though he couldn't see very clearly. He didn't even know exactly what he was looking at. Who is Jesus? There's something that called out to him. It was dim. How many of you guys know faith means that you see something, it's a vision, but it's not a picture? A picture is something you put up on a wand and you see every single thing in that picture and you see, and you, faith is not telling God you have a picture of what's going to happen. You say, look it, I want that picture to happen. God is not a vending machine. He's not 7-Eleven. He's not McDonald's. 
Can I have a Big Mac? Do you want a chicken burger? No, Big Mac. Then you get upset that he didn't give you a Big Mac and they gave you a chicken burger. Do you understand? God is not made to order. Not a picture. He's a vision. He gives you, he's enticing you with something. So you walk on the path of faith and he will produce for you something greater than what you thought. That's faith. There's a journey that we got to take. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But I do believe in a vision of a God who is good. Somehow, some way, it's going to work out. When my daughter went through that situation, I just knew. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I know who is at the other side. I have a vision of a God that's good. I don't have a picture of a vision. Amen? God is not on demand. I don't know about you guys, but I don't demand things from the Lord. I request humbly, and I trust. And I trust in the goodness of God, who is my Father. Amen? My mom's in the hospital right now with a fracture vertebrae. And uh, I try to tell her, Mom, this is not a hotel. She treats the nurses like she's at a hotel. Hey, you, come. Give them some money so they can go out and buy me something. I'm like, they are not your servants. They're public servants, but they're not your servants. They're not here on demand for you. She's like snapping, hey, come, you, you. And then she like hits them on the leg. They're like, hey, you, come, come here. Give me some more Voltaire and cream. Give me. She's like, they didn't, they didn't bring it in the next 30 minutes. I'm like, Do you look, have you looked around? There's people who are extremely sick. This world doesn't revolve around you, mother. There's other people who are sick. And she's like demanding, demanding. I want a safety pin. Hey, give me a safety pin. I'm like, where is a safety pin in the hospital? What are you talking about? We went to visit, and then we were with them, my children, and she was so happy. And then she said, let's order some food. (laughs) Tell the the nurses, let's order some food, give them money. I'm like, what are you... You're, she's, she's on hydromorphine, so maybe she's delusional. I don't know. I keep telling her, woman, this is not a hotel. Give them some money. I'm like, my, mom's, my wife's always just like, she doesn't get it. Just relax. Don't t- I just keep repeating over and over. Not a hotel, mom. Not a hotel, mom. Thank God for our public servants who are nurses. They just smile. They just think she's cute. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, oh, she's a sweet lady. Oh. But, you know, do they listen to her? No, she doesn't. they don't listen to her. <laughs> they don't listen to her. <laughs> she's like, Voltaire. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, do you understand? Sometimes we treat God like that. Like the world, the whole world revives around my life. Like me, myself, and I. That God is like my servant. He's on demand. We, and that's not relationship. That's Religion. It's a functional relationship with God that's devoid of intimacy. And you sometimes give intimacy and worship hoping that he will give you the picture of your dreams. When you're intimate, you're you're giving intimacy and it's transactional, what do we call that? You think about that for a while. Who do you call people 
when you give intimacy in exchange for something. You know, those people walk around the streets. You're, my, my dad used to say, see those women over there? What do you think about them? I'm like, I don't think about them, Dad. This is a funny story. We were driving around Toronto. We used to live downtown Toronto. He'll see this. He'll see all these call girls, and then he'll say, you see those women? Dad, I don't look at those women. Why are you looking at the women? Look at them carefully. They're beautiful, aren't they? What are you talking about, Father? Have you lost your mind? You want to divorce my mom or something? He said, they're beautiful, aren't they? Say it. <laughs> they're beautiful. I guess they're pretty. They're pretty, I guess. And then he said, they're poison. <laughs> they're like flowers, but if you smell it, you die. <laughs> You'll have to give something to get that intimacy, he'll say. It's stuck in my mind. But we treat God like that. I don't know if you really thought about it, but when you, when you demand something from God, He doesn't give it to you because it was transactional. Even your acts of intimacy and devotion, and you give it in hoping that you get something, that's a transactional relationship that eliminates true intimacy with God. True intimacy with God is in right standing. He is God. You are not. He is infinite. You are not. But he calls you son and daughter, and you trust him. That sum total of your life is good. And no matter what happens, it's all going to be okay. Do you understand? Zacchaeus says, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come, now is the time. Come immediately, hurry. The word in Greek is spudo. Immediately, hasten, hurry up. Now is the time. How many of you guys know when you're about to break out, you have to climb that tree of foolishness. You got to look stupid. Sometimes people think you're crazy because you have a vision of a good God. You got to do it now. How many guys? How many guys understand how the mind works? How you're, there's a spirit and your flesh, which is your your sinful desires. Your Always, our flesh will always rationalize ourselves out of the will of God if you give it enough time. Can I hear an amen? If you give it enough time, if the Lord prompts you to do something, get out of that circle. Get out. Do something. Come on. Get out. Have some faith. Do something. You're just trying to get out of that rut, the routines of life, and you're trying to get out. And then I'm like, but I like going in the circle. I like the butt of the caterpillar in front of me. I like, I like doing the same thing every day. I like eating the same food every day. I don't know. Just get out. Just do something. Try something. And then all of a sudden, your mind starts to work. Why, why do you have to? Why right now? Why don't you just wait for tomorrow? Your mind, your flesh will convince you to undo the prompting of the Lord that is going to cause the breakthrough in your life. Now, does every breakthrough cause something great? No, but you have to have a habit of breaking out so that when that one moment, when you actually heard God properly, you break out, something great could happen. You have to create a habit. If you don't create a habit, you'll never break out when that moment, opportunity, when the Spirit calls. Do you understand? 
You got to do it every time. I was at school this week, and uh, I was teaching my students, and one of, the, one of my students came up to me after class and said, can I talk to you? And then he was talking about his business, if I can help him. And I'm like, I don't think I can help you. I'm just a professor. You know what professors do? They talk about the stuff. They don't actually do the stuff. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Wasting your money on me, buddy. I don't know anything. Can you give me a business plan? I'm like, dude, I, I run a nonprofit and a charity church. I don't have a business plan. It's called God's plan. I don't know. What's your business plan? I don't have a business. I have God's plan. What are you going to do in five years? I don't know. God. <laughs> Whatever God wants. Step by step, step by step. Step by step, he leads me. That's all. That's all. That's my business plan. It's a song. It's a song. So I, but I don't, want to, I don't want him to want refund from the university. So I put, I'm like, oh, yeah. Just. seems complicated. Let me, let me get back to you. <laughs> that's, the, that's always the answer. But he said, Professor, I really like you. I, I mean, I listen to everything you say and I apply it to my life. And I said, but we're talking about change, change mechanisms in the organizations. He goes, I know, but it like, impacts me. I apply it to my life. Um, and then he said something else about his family. And then I said, and immediately I felt the prompting. Tell, like, like give him a prophetic word. Tell him what God thinks about him. I felt the Lord say, tell him what I think about him. And he's, not a, he's a total atheist, so he said, hey, dude. I didn't say dude. I'm professional at work. <laughs> hey, student number so-and-so. Can't say his name. He said, hey, um, you know that I'm a Christian, right? Because whenever I go to class, I always come out of the closet. This is my belief. I believe it with all my heart. And so people know. Some of them roll their eyes, whatever. I break out of that system. And I tell them, I could hear God. (laughs) That's exactly what I say. You know that I could hear God. And they're like, what? They think I'm crazy. I say, I could hear God like I could hear my wife. When I'm at at Best Buy and it's my birthday, I want to buy a large 70-inch, like, Thin screen, not the, not the ten-year-old LED TV. It's not even LED. It's LCD. It's obsolete. But my wife never. She's like, I can't tell the difference. I take her to Best Buy and I give her. I look at, honey, look at this OLED TV and look at the LCD. And she's like, I can't tell the difference. I'm, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, woman, open your eyes. She's like, but it's like a thousand dollars more. Why do we need that? Our kids. You could buy our kids something. I'm like, she always convicts me with the kids, you know. <laughs> she always convicts. Oh, man. But I could hear that same thing. I can hear her voice in my head even when she's not there. And when I tell them that, they go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's, I study Jesus all my life. I know, I think I know what he would say. I've been walking with him so long. I don't get perfect all the time, but I think I know what he would say to you. And they're always open. He goes, so what is he going to say to me? And I prophesied to him that this is who you are. He said, no one's ever said that to me. No one's ever valued me. You could see it in his eyes. He didn't even have to say it. You know how when people are about to, like, choke up? <laughs> a lot of my students do that when I give them a word. 
well, I'm going to have to think about that one. <laughs> so, like, okay, you go. You go think about it. And then they sign up for all my classes. Maybe at the end of the term, he'll tell me what God thinks again. Yeah, break out. When you go to work, when you're, there's systems in place to keep you in line. Do the same thing. Don't break. Don't do anything crazy or stupid. Just break out. Do something crazy. Why are we learning about spiritual gifts? So you know what you got so you can release it. Jesus died to give you those gifts. To exercise those gifts. And the Bible says he will not take them away from you. It's your responsibility to discover it and release it in your workplace with your friends when you're having dinner. I remember my daughter said, oh yeah, I got a friend. I don't think she believes she's been falling away from the Lord. So I hope your friend doesn't listen to this. Nope, nobody. They're not going to listen. Anyways, she said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get her today. I'm like, what do you mean get her? I'm just going to release. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. What's been doing? I'm just going to pray. We've been praying. I'm just going to release and my daughter has a gift of mobilization, inspiration. I know that. I've been telling her all her life, and she's like, nah. I said, you're just like me. You're a leader. Every time she speaks, I get inspired. I'm like, she's like, nah. Don't make me like you. Don't put me in a mold. I am myself. I am free. I am Isabel. I know that, but I gave you my, <laughs> gave you my genetics. Break out. Don't just eat and just talk about stupid things. Break out. Invite God into your conversations, into your life. You don't have to be something big. It just starts small. Just keep breaking out. Remain in the Lord. Remain in Him. Stay with Him. Abide. Keep abiding. Remember the Holy Spirit is like a dove on your shoulder. Nathan? Nathan's like, what are you doing, man? Your dad is weird. <laughs> if a bird is on your shoulder, you walk, always conscious of the bird. Remember I told you about the, those parrots in Hawaii? We saw it again, the woman. Always conscious of the bird on your shoulder, on your hand. That's how you break out. Amen? I must stay. The word must is stay in the Greek. Absolutely. I must. It's not an option. Stay is meno. Remain. I must stay in your house. Meno. John 15. If you meno, abide in me, I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. Like a branch to the tree when the fibers are interlined, intertwined, so that you can't tell the difference between the vine and the branches. Your job is to abide so that when you go out there, people can just see Christ in you. Your fibers, your very being is exuding Jesus Christ. Amen? As a Christian, if you're walking in the workplace and people don't even know that you're a Christian, you don't even have to say it, but there's something about your presence that's breaking out the system. There's something about you carry something, and you can only carry what you've been soaking in. Abiding is remaining, clinging, bone to bone, sticking together, clinging. Nathan, come here. <laughs> clinging means not like, hey, let's hang out, buddy. 
You mind if I hold your hand? It's okay. It's like, that's not clinging. Abiding is like, is it okay? It's like, hold me. Hold me. Can you hold me? Uh, no. I, I saw you with your shirt off. You're pretty strong, man. Do I need to get mad up here? Clinging. That is the abiding presence, that you clinging to the Lord. And, and unfortunately, most of us do not cling to God. And sometimes God allows situations in our lives. God didn't bring sickness. God doesn't bring tribulation because that's all from the pit of hell. Sin brings all those calamities upon our world. Everything that is not of God, not in heaven, is not from God. If you don't see that in heaven one day, if you don't see wars in heaven, it's not from God did not directly implant that into our world. It's sin. It's the sin of humanity. If you abide in that, if you're soaking in that, that's what you're going to exude. But the Lord says, abide in Him, and you break out of that system. Align yourself to the Lord. Abide in Him. Cling. And what you soak, what you soak, what you, what, what you remain in will come out of you when you're squeezed. Do you understand? How do you know what you've been abiding in? Tell me who you are under pressure. Tell me who you are under pressure. When everything is just going downhill, the world seems like, last year, around this time, the world seemed like it was collapsing on us. We were tested. My daughter was tested. She was squeezed. And I was wondering, what's going to come out of her? Holy Spirit came out of her. We were, we were so shocked. She's going to crumble. Oh, my gosh. I hope we did a good job. Oh, no. But something rose up in her, a faith that I didn't know she had. Who are you when you're squeezed? It's what you've been abiding in. An apple cannot produce orange juice. Only an orange can produce orange juice. You want the juice of the Holy Spirit to be released through you in the world that needs Jesus? That Holy Spirit, vitamin C? You need to be abiding to a tree, remaining in the tree, a soaking in the presence of God so that when the pressure comes and you release, when the pressure comes and it squeezes you, release the presence of God no matter what you're going through. Amen? That's what the world needs. That's what the world needs. Can everybody say, that's what the world needs? That's what the world needs. Can I just see a picture of, uh, this is, I got five minutes. You guys okay? I've only been talking for 30 minutes, so. She said yes. <laughs> Thank you, Nora. I love Nora. She said, Right on cue. I got five minutes. She's like, yes, go ahead. Ten more minutes. I'm going to listen to Nora. Okay, can you give me the humanist manifesto picture? This is American Humanist Society, Association. Good without God. That is their logo. You guys okay? Of course you're okay. Just wanted to just give you an understanding of... Humanism. And I'm not going to go really deep into it, but you can research it yourself. Now, 
I am a professor of humanities. <laughs> so I understand what's going on here, but I don't worship humanism. I understand some tenets, and I, I teach some of the principles, but I worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But I understand clearly the systems that's been placed by the enemy. That's, how do I know it's the enemy? Because it's not, it's not for our, just our time. It's been happening throughout history. That means there's powers behind it that is brainwashing the people of God throughout the, world, throughout the earth and throughout history. So humanism... I'm just going to read some of the manifestos. There's Humanism Manifesto 1, which was created in 1933. Um, I'll just read the one. It said, first one, first tenet is, religious humanists regard universe as a self-existing and not created. Two, humanists believe that man is part of nature and that he has emerged as a result of continuous process. Third, having, holding an organic view of life, humanists find that traditional dualism of the mind and body must be rejected. Humanism recognizes that man's religious culture and civilization, as clearly depicted by anthropology and history, are product of gradual development due to inter interactions with natural environment, with the social heritage. Individual born into a particular culture is largely molded by that culture. What am I trying to say? Humanism is a religion. They say it themselves. Humanism is a philosophical, religious, moral point of view as old as human civilization. The second Humanist Manifesto in 1973 said this, humanists still believe in traditional theism. Humanists do not believe in that, but they believe that these things are outmoded. They believe in humanist potential. Humanist Manifesto 1 was created to eradicate religion, but the dominant religion in America was Christianity, so the people who created Humanist Manifesto wanted to eradicate Christianity from existence. Let me just tell you that one more time. And humanism, this philosophy has been infiltrating your education system throughout the globe. That is their goal. Charles Francis Potter, the original signer of the Humanist Manifesto, honorary president of the National Education Association, said this, education is thus the most powerful ally of humanism, and every American public school is a school of humanism. Basically, they're saying there is no moral morality, everything is relative, there is no God. Our physical existence is what it is. Why am I telling you all this? There's no way to break out of this cultural system by yourself. It's like the caterpillar. You just keep going around. You're just getting brainwashed by things that the world is telling you. You guys think you go to university and you think you're free. You think that you, our education system is like, is like imparting into you critical thinking. They're not. They're actually imposing a humanist point of view. They're, they have an agenda. Christians have it. Everybody has an agenda. We're just going in circles. 
And one of the things that humans believe is that there is no supernatural power. There is nothing beyond this natural life. Whatever we eat, whatever we do, this is it. This is what we live for. We just, just live and just be happy and just there is no whatever is right for each other and just whatever. There's no absolute morality and all that, all that relativism. You guys understand what I'm trying to say. But to break out of that, we can't convince people to get out of the caterpillar. We can't convince people to just come out. What you need to do is to break out. You need to do, what you need to do is show them a pathway that reveals a supernatural God invading your life. Because that is the very antithesis of humanist philosophy. There is no supernatural being. There is no power beyond what we can do. That is the Tower of Babel being repeated. Let us build for ourselves a tower because we can be like God. That is a sin of Adam and Eve. To break out of that is not just rational thinking. It's not arguments. You can't convince people to come out. It's you as a believer getting out of that rat race and showing them an encounter with Jesus, giving them an encounter with a supernatural God that eradicates that whole belief system. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? People ask us, why do you focus on healing and supernatural and unseen realm and angels and demons and all that stuff? Oh, because it's in, the, it's in the Bible and God commands us to release that on the earth as it is in heaven. Release it on earth. But it's to break the systems and the powers that are blinding the people, just going in circles, being brainwashed to think that there's nothing more beyond this life. And the humanist manifesto, that logo, is a symbol of a happy human being. Happy. We're happy. Canada is the most humanist society nation in the world. Are we happy? Raise your hands if you're happy. I'm happy. We're being infiltrated with this philosophy. Are you happy? I've never met a whole group of people that are so unhappy. I go everywhere. There's so people, they're so angry. They're living in posh condos. They're angry. I was at Urban Fair and I was sitting and having coffee and my leg was barely touching the table. Barely. Not even. I think I was like crossing my leg. It was barely touching the Barely. And the guy came and he went like, get your foot off the table. And I went, what? First of all, do you understand how big I am? Why are you talking to me this way? And then he kicked the table, and he's like, Whoa! he started swearing at me, and then, I, and, then I, I, and then my flesh started to come out. And I wanted to stand up and like, do you know who you're talking to? You know, my gangster, <laughs> gangster nature started coming up, but then I, I, heard, I heard the junior Holy Spirit in my life, my wife. Remember, you're a, you're a pastor. You could be on TV. Just walk away. Walk away. So I just, I just walked away. Just small man. Small stature like that kiss. And I was just wondering, I, how can I love people like this? This guy's probably driving a BMW. This is not the best car. Bugatti, whatever. It's just driving, 
And he's living in a luxurious condo in False Creek and just like all suited up and nice and drinking his latte and he's so angry. And I'm like, well, I don't have no, that's why I go to Africa, man, with all the poor people. I just want to be with the poor people, you know, because they, I can have mercy. And the Lord convicted me. He said, that's not grace. That's you giving love unconditioned, believing that these people deserve it more and those people don't. That's why Zach, Zach, I mean, that's why the Lord Jesus stopped for Zacchaeus, the rich man. If you don't have compassion for those people, and you only have compassion for the drug addicts and the poor people, it has to be the same love, same level of compassion. That's called grace. Same heart that you have for the people who are hungry, have the same love for that rich man sitting in the penthouse or living in a $2 million home, believing in this crap, thinking he's happy, but angry and miserable and lost even if they don't know it. Do you understand? What does that man need? My anger? My frustration? He needs a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He needs an encounter with Jesus that breaks him out of that caterpillar procession. Hey, <laughs> hey. It's not even like, why well, you're angry. It looks like you have a limp. Let me pray for you. If God heals your knee, Will you get saved? What will you say then? Do you understand? Do you understand? It's like my friend going to Egypt and he's talking to imams who are like totally into their religion. Benji, he'll go and say, hey, I see that you have an ailment. Let me pray for you. Well, what's going to happen when Jesus heals that? What are you going to say then? That's a breaking out of the system. Anybody hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. That's why we focus on these things. It's not just for fun. This is not a game. This is to bring heaven down to earth to break people out of the system. Amen? Let's stand up. I'm going to keep talking about this because I know that The systems that are in place in our world are very powerful, strong. The Bible actually calls them strongholds, like castles. A lot of people are imprisoned by them. But I'm just going to keep talking about it to break that stronghold. Bring the power of Jesus into this place so you break out. Break out of that. So you truly find happiness. Because you cannot find happiness in yourself. It just doesn't work that way. Just lift up your hands. If you're able, if you're a believer, if you're not, it's okay. Just lift up your hands. You don't have to. Just feel like the Lord saying that we... Just causing me to exhort to you to break out. Whatever systems that you've been going through, just break out. Time to break out. Time to see a God, a supernatural God that wants to invade your life. It's not, God is not an idea. 
He's not just a philosophy. Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was God, the Son of Man, Son of God. But all authority and power came as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit, demonstrated the kingdom for our lives supernaturally. That's the gospel. Break out. Invite that God into your life. Invite Jesus into your life. Shake things up. Get out of that processional circle. Get out. See something different. Break out. I just feel like some of you want to do that. Can I have some of the people who went through a hearing God's voice class to come up to the front? Just anybody. I need more people today, so just come up. All right, Jacob, where don't you come to? So I'm just going to pray for you. If you feel like I want to break out, I need somebody to like pray for me, reveal God to me, give me revelation of who He is. It's not this is not just prayer time. This is a time for somebody to just to speak the word of God into your life. What God is saying. What would God say to you? If you want to hear that, just come up to the front after I close in prayer. Say, I want to hear. What is God saying to me? I've never heard that before. I want to hear what God says. Amen. So I send you off into the world with the love of the Father. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Go out. Break out. Break out of your rut. Do something different. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God glory. Praise Him. If you need prayer, just come up. Come up and receive some prayer. If you brought a friend, encourage your friends to come up and receive prayer.